to the Irresistible Marketing Pod, the podcast that shows you how to charm your way into customers, cash, and a life filled with abundance while keeping your enchantments grounded in integrity. It's like Hogwarts, but for business owners, minus the transphobia. Hi, I'm Issa Gauchi, the Marketing Confidence Cheerleader and owner of the M. Issa Messaging Digital Marketing Agency. Today, we're talking about the telltale signs that indicate you need to source more emotional support in order to do right by your business. Let's get into it. So many business owners are following the rules. They're posting as much as they are being told they're supposed to post, creating content regularly, they're reaching out and getting little to no engagement and little to no sales. So, they assume they just need the right way to game the algorithms, or maybe a fancier website, a different productivity hack, a better guru's marketing strategy, and so they keep trying and trying and trying, and they get discouraged. And they wonder if it's them, or if marketing just sucks, or if maybe the gods are against them and their business is doomed. Doomed. Valiantly, they keep trying, but no matter what they do, it still just doesn't work. And then they come and see me. And a few minutes into our conversation, they tell me they've been thinking something like, I should have more followers. What's wrong with me that more people aren't following me? Why don't people like me? Or I post and I post and I post and I hardly get any engagement. The algorithm just hates me. Or people just don't care about what I have to say. Or, I haven't made as many sales as I should. Do they not like my product? Do they not like me? What am I doing wrong? My competitors are doing awesome. Why aren't I? If I explicitly make offers on my social media, I'm 100% sure people will think I'm too pushy and salesy and I'll lose connections and people will be mean to me. And here's a big one. I'm terrified of what will happen if I don't make any money on this launch. And then the deepest one of all, I really, really, really want my business to work. But what if it doesn't? What if I risked everything for this business and it won't work out? I don't think I can handle failure. When these telltale statements pop up in our conversation, I can tell immediately that it's not that they don't have the right marketing strategy. It's not that they're not doing the right marketing tactics. It's not that their website isn't fancy enough or they don't have an attractive enough Instagram aesthetic. The reason their marketing isn't irresistibly attracting aligned clients to them in droves is because of their emotional state when they're trying to market. So let's talk about the emotions that do and don't lead to irresistible marketing. It's nearly impossible to create irresistible marketing from an anxious, frightened, insecure, or doubtful headspace. From that headspace, your creativity is just not going to flow. So anything you create from there, you have to force yourself into creating. And forcing yourself to do stuff doesn't exactly cheer you up. So the marketing you force yourself to create carries an air of resistance 
desperation or defensiveness or like a subtle gloom, gloomy gray cloud. And the messaging tends to be asking for something that you lack, often money, rather than offering something from your overflow. You treat buying from you as an inconvenience, a favor you're asking customers to do for you, or even a charity rather than an empowered exchange of valuable goods. Exchange, not a thing people have to do for you. And if you keep having to force yourself to market, burnout will be a constant uninvited guest. Marketing that comes from this place telegraphs discomfort and disconnection and is unlikely to get you the results that you want. But on the other hand, irresistible marketing comes from a place of exuberant invitation, bubbling over with love for the offer that you know is going to bring hope to whoever encounters it and heal, exhilarate, and dazzle whoever is wise enough to buy it. Irresistible marketing is juicy because it comes from a place of abundance. To aligned customers, encountering irresistible marketing is like an invitation to the best party of the year, one they'd be super bummed to miss out on. Irresistible marketing is like getting asked out by their crush. It's like getting accepted to their dream school. It's like being told by a trusted authority not to worry perfectly normal and there is a cure. It's like trying on a dress that makes them look incredible and instantly feel like 10 times hotter and more confident. Irresistible marketing feels like their dreams are within their reach. Their hurts can be healed. It's not too late for them. Everything that they thought was wrong with them actually isn't wrong at all. They are deserving of getting what they want. They are worthy. They can have what they've always dreamed of. Irresistible marketing gives from a place of overflow. It does not ask from a place of lack. So how do you emotionally prepare to create irresistible marketing? It would be real nice if we could just flip a switch in our brains and instantly shed fear and shame and step into the joyful abundance that allows us to create irresistible marketing. But alas, alack, it's not that simple because a lot of our fears and anxieties that get triggered when it's time to market our business, a lot of those fears and anxieties come from deep wounds that imprinted us early in our histories. Healing these wounds requires changing our habitual thoughts, the ways we are used to thinking about ourselves and the world. In other words, it takes reprogramming the default of our brains. Truly opening a business necessitates a lot of shadow work. Stepping into abundance requires giving ourselves new thoughts to think over and over and over again until we believe them. Thoughts that fill us with confidence, security, inner safety, and trust. And if we're not used to thinking about ourselves and the world like this, we need this hopeful messaging reinforced for us over and over and over again until we know how to tell it to ourselves in a way that we can listen. 
You can get that hopeful messaging from podcasts like this one, from books, from teachers, but honestly, it's so much harder if the only person who really knows you and is affirming you, the only person who is encouraging you, the only person telling you that the risk of entrepreneurship is worth it, that even though it hasn't paid off yet, it will, that your success is inevitable. It's so much harder if the only person saying that to you is, well, you. You need cheerleaders. When you get stuck in the wobbles and trapped in a doubt spiral, do you have someone who can consistently remind you that you can do this, that you're worthy and lovable and your contributions are valid and needed? When you're feeling discouraged, do you have someone who can remind you of the success you've already had and point out the progress that you may not have even noticed that you've made? Do you have someone who will let you cry and feel afraid without trying to fix it by telling you to just take the safe path and follow the rules that never worked for you in the first place? Do you have someone to give you permission to do it your way and to remind you that you don't need anyone else's permission to do you anyway? Do you have someone who will amp you up about being your full, authentic self in your business and will never advise you to hide controversial parts of your identity in the name of professionalism? I really, truly hope you have that person, or preferably several of them, because everyone deserves those cheerleaders and everyone needs those cheerleaders. Because taking on the vastness of uncertainty that entrepreneurship confronts you with is so much more bearable when you have a cheerleader or two that you know will be in your corner cheering you on. But, major caveat, don't expect cheerleading from someone who didn't consent to being a cheerleader. That is emotional labor, y'all. It's emotional labor. You do deserve cheerleading, but not just from anyone. Not even the people closest to you. Why? Because not everyone knows how to be a cheerleader. Not everyone wants to be a cheerleader. Not everyone has the spoons to be emotionally available in that way. Some may be triggered by the boldness of you going after what you want, when they never dared to do that for themselves. Some may be triggered by you breaking rules they never realized that they themselves weren't shackled to and they've been miserably following all this time. So it's threatening when you break those rules and show them that they had another choice all along. Some people may be afraid for you because life didn't lead them to trust that sometimes financial or professional risks are worth it. Some may have a lot going on in their own lives and are not able to give you emotional support without draining themselves. So, be wise about who you turn to for emotional support through your entrepreneurship journey. Because a whole lot of people aren't going to get it. 
and a whole lot of people won't have the capacity to help you shoulder the strong emotions that will inevitably be stirred up. That does not mean you should try to go it alone. It does mean it is essential to your business that you source emotional support from capable, consenting, and skilled cheerleaders. A coach, a therapist, or me, the literal marketing confidence cheerleader, we exist to support you through this. We'd be happy to, not burdened. We exist to help you through this. So, do you need to book more appointments with your therapist, to hire a coach, or immediately sign up for my marketing confidence cheerleading? Here are some signs that you need more emotional support stat. It's unfortunate that so many folks floundering in their marketing consider therapists, coaches, or even the marketing confidence cheerleader herself, moi, luxuries rather than necessities since as we've already covered, the thing that is preventing them from creating irresistible marketing is the stories they are telling themselves and the emotions that are being triggered by these stories. So here are some clear indications that you need more emotional support in order to get your business to where you want it to go and to be in the right emotional space to be able to create irresistible marketing. Here are the signs. One, you can't stop comparing your revenue, your social media following, etc., etc., to other businesses, and it keeps making you feel like doo-doo. You're freaking out about your pricing. You keep lowering prices, offering discounts, and you break out in a cold sweat when you think about someone questioning you about why your offer is worth the price tag. You can't confidently explain the value your offer brings to customers. You're worried you're not pretty enough, smart enough, lovable enough, likable enough, professional enough, etc. for this to work. You don't think you have anything helpful to say in your marketing. You think your marketing should have worked by now, but it hasn't, and that means something bad about you. When you think about marketing, you feel crushing feelings of doubt, imposter syndrome, overwhelm, discouragement, or despair. If any of the above sound like you, I want you to know that your mean inner critic has taken over the wheel and is driving your brain. And your mean inner critic was there because at one point in your life, it developed these things to help you survive. It wants to keep you safe and out of trouble. But now, it's actually preventing you from growing your business and getting what you want. Consistent, capable, and compassionate emotional support will give you the strength to take the wheel back and make the ride way less hellish and much more pleasure cruise, making it so much more likely that you'll reach your desired destination. And have fun on the journey. If you need that, I would love to be your marketing confidence cheerleader. I'd love to have you in my season of support program, which is three months of weekly one-on-one sessions with me where we make your marketing happen. That sales copy you've been putting off? Handled. Freaking out because your launch is fizzling? Handled. Dealing with haters? Handled. 
Having emotional or timing blocks that keep you from showing up for your marketing at all? Don't worry, handled. During your season of support, you get 12 supportive, 60-minute, one-on-one sessions with me where we vanquish your marketing blocks and make irresistible marketing together. Oh, that's right. Irresistible marketing will be yours. During your season of support, you get unlimited emotional support and encouragement from me, unlimited copy editing, digital copies of my beloved Marketing Confidence Cheerleader workbooks if you are a journaler and you love doing journaling and personal development work to support you in creating your irresistible marketing. You also get admission to my private Marketing Confidence Cheerleading Facebook group where you can find fabulous like-minded community and ask me any questions in between sessions. You also get surprise snail mail presents to support you in your marketing goals and free access to my other classes and groups during your season of support. So if you'd like to sign up for that program, do it soon. Hop on over to the MISA M-E-S-S-A-G-I-N-G.com website. That's M-E-S-A-Messaging.com website and click on season of support and you can apply to join my program. It's early bird pricing um, right now. So it's $2,700 with no interest payment plans available, but um, sign up quickly because I only have a few spots available and early bird pricing ends and go up on November 19th. So um, sign up soon. I'd love to have you in that program. Can't wait to meet you. Anyway, back to our Irresistible Marketing Pod episode. (laughs) So each episode, I'm going to offer you a real world example of irresistible marketing that maybe we love or maybe we hate, and we're going to talk all about it because it's fun. And it's also um, helpful to discuss why marketing was so successful and whether it was used for good or for evil because marketing is magic it really is all right so the year 2017 the obsession fidget spinners you know those little colorful spinny things that spin and um help you focus and stop fidgeting maybe (laughs) Well, for a while there, everyone had them. The office manager got them for our entire firm at a past job, and I mainly used my hot pink spinner to entertain my cat because she really liked to slap it. Anywho, let's talk the marketing lessons we can learn from the fidget spinner fad. So this really is a story about marketing because the thing is fidget spinners blew up around 2017, but they had actually been invented a lot earlier, decades before that in the 90s by a woman called Katherine Hettinger. I'm really sorry to all the people's names I'm going to say in this article because I will probably mispronounce them. Anyway, Katherine Hettinger wanted to make a toy that would distract and soothe kids. So she sold them at fairs and hoped to get a major toy manufacturer to pick them up. Toy conglomerate Hasbro rejected the fidget spinner and eventually Hettinger allowed her patent to lapse in 2005 because she didn't have enough money for the renewal fee. She probably lived to regret that decision, 
Since come December 2017, a Forbes article came out claiming that fidget spinners were the must-have office toy of 2017, an article several have credited with helping to boost the fidget spinning viral fad. James Lofke, the author of the Forbes article, said most of the folks he had test out the spinners were initially incredulous about these weird little spinny hunks of metal, but once they tried them, they didn't want to stop fidget spinning. Referring to fidget toys as an innocuous outlet for your nervous or bored energy, Lofke wrote, Some of us played with the spinners instead of bit our nails and cuticles. I went from short nails and raw skin to being able to squeeze a lemon into a glass of water with no problem. Some found we were more present in our daily lives, fidgeting with a spinner on the subway and paying attention to our surroundings rather than burying our faces in our phones. A few of us noticed we got up from our desks less, dumping energy into fidgeting with the spinner rather than taking mindless trips to the pantry. Our engagement level with the spinners varied from tester to tester, but we all preferred having them around and found ourselves reaching for it when we were doing things that didn't require both hands, from editing an article to simply waiting for the elevator. There wasn't much in the way of research behind the mental health benefits, Lofke admitted, but he encouraged people to try one and see, though the little buggers could get quite pricey. Upwards of a hundred dollars from brand name metal for brand name, excuse me, upwards of one hundred dollars for brand name metal fidget spinners like Torque Bar and Rotoblade. Prices that perhaps prompted the kind of cringe Saturday Night Live skit about Cartier fidget spinners for distracting obnoxious rich women with anxiety who you keep around because they're great in bed despite being extremely annoying. Anyhow. By 2017, fidget spinners were a countrywide phenomenon in the United States. In April of that year, fidget spinners made up 17% of all online sales of toy stores, and Fidget 360, a fidget spinner company founded by two teenagers, made $350,000 in just six months. When then 17-year-old co-founder Alan Maman was searching online for a toy to help him manage his ADHD, He found a fidget cube, but saw it wouldn't ship for six months, which was a long time to wait. So with some more research, he learned about fidget spinners. Folks were selling 3D printed fidget spinners on sites like Etsy, but he couldn't find anyone mass producing them. So he teamed up with classmate Cooper Weiss to use their high school's 3D printer to start mass producing fidget spinners themselves. And all the other kids wanted a fidget spinner too. Soon, Maman and Weiss were making around $500 a day selling fidget spinners to their classmates for $25 a pop, before the threat of suspension forced them to move the operation to the basement of Weiss's parents' house. They bought eight 3D printers, launched Fidget360 on Shopify, and quickly drew more than 150,000 followers to their Instagram account at the height of the fidget spinner craze. Insider reported, Without social media, I don't really know where we'd be right now, Weiss told Insider. 99% of our sales are from Instagram. When asked why he and Maman focused mostly on Instagram compared to Facebook or Snapchat, Weiss added, As being teens, we used Instagram the most, and we know what all the other kids are using. In fact, when they experimented with ads on Facebook, they had a hard time reaching their target demographic. It was mostly parents commenting on our stuff, Weiss said. 
On Instagram, however, he and Maman could link kids directly to the Fidget360 website by paying influencers and popular meme pages to do shoutouts. Soon, they drew funding and were able to expand their business to a factory in Brooklyn, New York. YouTubers soon started reviewing the fidget spinner trend, with some influencers' videos amassing millions of views. Dude Perfect's fidget spinner tricks video has amassed 178 million views on YouTube to date, for example. But seemingly just as quickly as they became ubiquitous, fidget spinners faded away. When it was super easy and cheap for anyone and everyone to have fidget spinners, they lost their sparkle. The Economist reported, Big toy retailers, the usual arbiters of what sells, were caught, initially caught flat-footed. Fidget spinners were a plaything that children themselves discovered and shared on social media, particularly on YouTube and Instagram. No person or firm had a patent on spinners, so with no licensing fees to pay, anyone could make them. They were produced in huge quantities in China, often by firms that previously manufactured smartphone accessories. Others were made using 3D printing that has been a boon for small shops, which have been able to stock these unbranded goods from wherever they can find them. By May 2017, publications like Vice were critiquing manufacturers for claiming fidget spinners had major mental health benefits for people with autism, ADHD, and anxiety, but without the research to back it up. By June 2017, Many schools across the U.S. and Europe were banning fidget spinners for being distracting and dangerous when spinning tricks went awry. Even the Fidget 360 founders knew it was a fad. Maman told Mike in May 2017, I definitely don't think the fidget spinner will last into the new school year in September, he said. There's a possibility it will spark back up at the end of the summer when the kids head back to school, but right now I think it's entered its peak and is only going to go down. Now, I honestly can't remember the last time I saw anyone with a fidget spinner. Can you? So, interesting little tale of a viral marketing fad. Here are a few takeaways that I had from it. Number one, products aren't inherently valuable or not valuable. People bestow the value on products. Individuals decide stuff is valuable to them, and when enough individuals believe in that value, culture adopts the trend, or we all collectively lose interest. Number two, good marketing can make anything sell. A charming origin story with unlikely heroes certainly doesn't hurt. Who doesn't want two high school entrepreneurs to win? A mental health benefit angle also doesn't hurt unless your claims are overblown because claims without proof make your offer less credible. Number three takeaway, bandwagons are powerful for creating viral moments. This was truly a all the cool kids are doing it moment. Number four takeaway, but for it to be more than a moment, it needs a story beyond being trendy, and it needs to be unique enough or patented enough not to be easily copied. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see keep them coming, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. Keep up with all things Irresistible Marketing by following at M-I-S-A-M-E-S-S-A-G-I-N-G 
at Emisa Messaging on Instagram and signing up for our newsletter at emisamessaging.com. Also, I would love to invite you to join my free online workshop coming up on November 15th called Why Nothing You've Tried for Marketing Has Worked and What to Do Instead. You can register at emisamessaging.com to attend live and ask me questions or get the replay later if you can't make it. And make sure to check out the show notes for this episode to get those links and to see the sources for the fidget spinner portion of this episode. I hope you have fun with your new marketing magic insights and skills. Use them wisely, be irresistible, but don't hurt them. All right, love you, bye. (laughs) 